Hello, and thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Laser 101 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Walensky, the laser dentist. With me today is a rather familiar face, especially if you've ever taken any CE on aesthetic dentistry, either in person or online, or if you've ever opened any of about 20 different dental journals and looked up an article on aesthetic or restorative dentistry, he'll be there. Yep, today we're joined by none other than Dr. Robert Lowe. Bob graduated and taught at Loyola University School of Dentistry in Chicago and is now on faculty at the College of Dental Medicine at the Medical University of South Carolina, but he still maintains a part-time private practice in his free time in Charlotte, where as far as I'm concerned, he's practiced forever. Dr. Lowe is a clinical evaluator of materials and products with most of the more well-known dental manufacturers. You've heard of them all. He's received fellowships from more organizations than you can imagine. And in 2004, he received the Gordon Christensen Outstanding Lecturers Award. As far as lasers are concerned, Dr. Lowe has helped to pioneer and publish on several laser-assisted cosmetic procedures and was an original founding member of the World Clinical Laser Institute. And now, Dr. Bob Lowe. Welcome to the Laser 101 podcast. Thank you so much for making time for us today. It's a pleasure, Chris, and it's uh, good to catch up again. I think uh, you and I were uh, we were on board early on in this uh, journey, and uh, it's taken us uh, in a very interesting on a very interesting path. It it certainly has, and I I feel like I keep saying this over and over to everybody, but it's been way too long. I mean, COVID really shut us down, and I just I just like to know how how are you? What's what's going on? Well, I said COVID uh, helped make me uh, uh, make a decision for me to uh, stop the full-time private practice thing. I mean, I was approaching 65 anyways, so I said, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it might be time. And then uh, uh, I got the call from, uh, from MUSC. I have a few friends here. Uh, you probably know John Camisi and uh, sure. uh, another uh, um, good friend, uh, Dr. Carter Brown, who is uh, past president of the uh, AGD and uh, and South Carolina AGD, and uh, another one of the uh, doctors, the uh, Ray Kessler, who uh, was a practicing dentist in Charlotte all his years until he uh, decided to retire and come down. I, I I knew the majority of the faculty in the department, and uh, they said, you know, come on down as soon as the hiring freeze is over. We we need somebody, and and you know, so we we made the decision you know, at, to move to to the Charleston. Actually, after moving from one place to another in the Charlotte area only a year previous. So bouncing around a little bit to finally settle again, but uh, it's, it's good to be here. It's gotta be fun to be with, you know, the, the people that, you know, the guys that you've worked with before people that uh, respect each other. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it makes for a good time to go to work instead of just um, kind of doing your nine to five. Oh, oh it absolutely does. And, uh, um, you know, John and I have uh, collaborated on things here at the college and, and uh, on uh, CE things there with uh, um, some of the uh, sponsors that we, we both have worked with over the years. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And plus, you know, in that little bit of free time, as you mentioned, um, it's always uh, fun to uh, enjoy a little bit of social activity, too. And, and the one thing about Charleston, there's so many good places to eat. We've We've been here for two and a half years, and it's we barely scratched the surface. That's always amazed me. When when I lived in San Diego, I, there were so many great places to eat that I just wonder how they all 
I'll stay in business. It's <laughs> like on, on one block there, restaurant after restaurant, after pub, after, you know, all it's just amazing. It is amazing. And, and even through COVID down here, I mean, a few places uh, closed or cut back, but uh, you, you can't, you can't tell that there was much of an effect, uh, at least uh, in that industry. You know, Bob, one of the things that I described in your intro uh, just made me think back and remember I'm pretty sure that you were the first person that I ever saw who actually published an article on closed flap crown lengthening. And to this day, that procedure remains probably one of the most popular and probably also one of the most misunderstood procedures of anything that we do with a laser. So I'm going to just jump right in. Can you tell me your experience with closed um, close crown lengthening? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because... Uh... I mean, you know, to, to go back way to the beginning. So after dental school, I, I decided to do a general practice residency because I wanted to learn to manipulate tissue, to do minor periodontal procedures on my healthy patients, you know, where, where we needed to do some uh, uh, minor uh, alteration of, of gingival levels or bony levels to create healthy crown and bridge. So I, I did that for many years as a, uh, uh, you know, practicing dentist. And I was very comfortable with that. And then uh, I moved to Charlotte in 2000 and, and started working uh, at a practice of one of the uh, uh, prominent cosmetic dentists at the time, who also had a teaching component to the practice. And, and one of the uh, sponsors that sponsored his programs was, was a laser company and, and they had a hard tissue laser. And I'd never really had experience with a hard tissue laser or for that matter, a soft tissue laser up to that point very familiar with electrosurge and, you know, Dr. Chevelle back in the 70s and 80s called the electrosurge the uh, cosmetic uh, soft tissue instrument, which, which it was. I mean, it was a very nice way to make small changes in gingival architecture and whatnot. But uh, lasers kind of was, to me, the next step in that evolution. So I, I got kind of interested in that. And, and basically, uh, uh, the doc that ran the course said, well, we got a laser company on board now, and uh, uh, so that means uh, you're going to be in charge of lasers. <laughs> <laughs> so the salesperson, back then there was no formal training. We, we got uh, a hard tissue laser unit uh, in the office, and uh, the salesperson came in and, and did a day training. He said, you know, bring a patient in, and, and we'll show you how to do certain procedures. This was now the salesperson. Right. Um, not the, and, right. Uh, not a trainer, not a dentist. Not a trainer, dentist, no, no, yeah. no. And, uh, well, although I tell you, even though he wasn't a dentist, he probably could have performed these procedures <laughs> very proficiently. So with one day of training, uh, I was off to the races. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, with hard tissue lasers, uh, a lot of the uh, scuttlebutt and marketing was around, uh, you know, uh, oh, you don't have to give a shot. You don't have to use a drill. It's no pain. It's painless dentistry, yada, yada, yada. So uh, it was all focused around that. And with my background, I, I thought a little bit differently. I said, you know, the laser is an end cutting tool. And to me, it's always been a tool. It's not uh, replacing hand pieces or revolutionizing anything. It's just another tool in the tool belt. So it's an end cutting instrument. So I thought, well, why can't we do periodontal surgery? I, you know, I did a lot of flap surgery and uh, open flap surgery and, you know, use diamonds. Uh, uh, it seemed to me that an end cutting laser would be a lot uh, uh, 
more conservative and a lot more easily controlled. And, you know, and, and so I started using the laser, the heart tissue laser, to do uh, my open flap crown lengthening. And uh, to me, that was more important in my armamentarium than being able to put my handpiece down and cut a little slot in the tooth to fill a cavity. <laughs> that as it may be, um, that's where the whole perio thing started. Now, the, the closed flap crown lengthening really came out of a thought um, from an article that I read from John Coyce years ago. And, and Coyce talked about um, doing minimal changes in, uh, in osseous, uh, osseous height or osseous contour, uh, an anterior teeth, uh, going intrasulcularly with a Wheedlestat chisel down to the crest of the bone and just shaving a little of the bone, reshaping and, and creating a, a more aesthetically pleasing uh, um, bony architecture for the soft tissue to follow. And I, I kind of thought about that. And I said, well, why can't I do that with the laser? I mean, the laser doesn't cut on the side of the tip. It cuts at the end. And uh, if I could go through uh, the uh, attachment apparatus and get down to the crest of the bone, which I could feel with the tip of the laser and make minor corrections, um, that might not be a bad idea. So that's where the whole idea of closed flap crown lengthening, and, and at least in my mind, came from. I, I, I don't know that anybody else had done it before. I, I don't know that anybody else had written about it before, but I, I started doing that, you know, and, and talking about that in my lectures because I felt, you know, they're out there on every patient, diagnosing biologic with encroachment, sounding a tooth with an old amalgam interproximally that, that may be a, a little bit too close to the bone and needs a crown now. You know, don't have to send it out to, to have a full, you know, three tooth flap crown lengthening to heal uh, where you can make a minor correction and, and take the impression and, and uh, make the crown. So that's where that whole concept came from, Chris. And, and uh, years later, you see it all over the place. In fact, uh, one of the past presidents of the uh, AAP, um, Sam Lau, uh, actually came up from Florida. He, t he teaches at the University of Florida in Gainesville uh, and came up to Charlotte and, and took one of my uh, laser perio courses and, and where we were doing crown lengthening on pig jaws. So it started to catch on. Isn't that something? You know, when I think of a... All, probably all, I'll say all, generalize here. All the cosmetic dentists I know, you're the only one, you're one of very few who actually do your own perio surgery. And I really think that sets you apart. And my gosh, I think that's what, what's propelled you through the years. Um, you know, tissue manipulation, repositioning tissue, doing flaps. I think that's foreign to to many in uh, of your ilk, uh, so to speak. So knowing what uh, what we know about lasers, it's interesting that you started out with a a hard tissue laser versus, you know, the general rule is, you know, let's get a laser to do some gingivectomy or just some soft tissue manipulation and, and change gingival heights. But, you know, as we know, the, the tissue follows the bone. So, but now it sounds like it was almost kind of by accident that you started with the hard tissue laser. Well, it, it was because as I said, I I grew up with electrosurge as a soft tissue instrument. I really, you know, and when uh, uh, some of the first diodes came out, um, they were actually uh, marketed as, okay, well, we can do laser whitening. 
you know, because we've got a, a you know, laser activated uh, material that can whiten teeth. Oh, by the way, you can do some other little things too with it. But, you know, it was, uh, it was all about this whitening thing. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, it started with, with the, uh, um, with the hard tissue laser, because to me, it, it just made more sense than uh, uh, using a handpiece and a diamond and a drill uh, when I could have so much more control um, with, uh, with the laser. Right. So when I, whenever I talk about um, closed osseous crown lengthening, you know, the same questions come up. They've come up for you probably for the last 20 years, and, and they've come up to, you know, to me for the last 15 years. Uh, how do you not hit the root when you're, when you're removing the bone with a laser? <laughs> Because, because every everyone thinks you can't see anything, you can't. You're just going by feel. But go ahead, please answer. This well, that question. that question, you're right, has has come up. You know, and, and the, the the funny thing is, is the first time in one of our courses uh, years ago, when I did a live patient, I uh, um, I did the closed flap crown lengthening on this aesthetic case, and then I said, okay, well now we're going to flap it and see what it looks like because I had told the patient we were going to do open surgery. Mm -hmm. So um, the audience was sitting there waiting to see, you know, and I flapped it back and, you know, looked really nice and this, that, and the other. And you get the question all the time. And I would always tell, tell the doctors, I said, you know, the, the tip of the laser should always be parallel to the root surface and it only cuts at the end. So there's no way you could cut the root or damage the root unless you fell asleep and accidentally hit your foot on the pedal and aim the laser into the root. I mean, it's just never happened. And it's, it's just one of those things that I, I think it's hard for people to visualize. But, you know, I did that several times in courses where I would, I would do the closed flap crown lengthening and then, and then flap. Uh, and I, I, in fact, I had some patients where I, I said, you know what, if you, if you let me flap this again in a year, just so I can take pictures, I'll do some free <laughs> dentistry for you. I never got anybody to take me up no, on that. No one's, no one's taking you up. <laughs> what was really hard too about the whole thing, Chris, is uh, actually the uh, the periodontists really have not embraced lasers for uh, doing surgery uh, as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just, you know, uh, a lot of them, just like our specialists in other areas, they go back to the 60s and 70s and go back on, on their hard and true and it really don't go into uh, any of the new technologies and that as much as some of us, uh, uh, quote unquote, brave or foolish, however you're looking at it, uh, generalists who always want to, you know, to push the envelope a little bit. But uh, uh, yeah, so we did get a little negative feedback from our, our periodontal crew, but uh, having Dr. Lau, uh, past president of the AAP, uh, uh, and be out there and, and promote lasers and perio, I think helped stem that tide just a little bit, but yep. it, it's you know, been one of those things. You know, you, you and I have had a lot of similar experiences and I'm just curious in your opinion, why do you think that lasers haven't become more mainstream? I mean, we're both decades into this thing and I still come across dentists who think that lasers are just expensive whitening machines. Yeah, well, I, I, unfortunately, I, I, I agree with that. And I tell you, back in the two, early 2000s, when we started using lasers in dentistry, you know, it was always, well, in, in five years or 10 years, nobody will be using a handpiece. It'll all be lasers. In fact, I have to mention our, our good friend, Mark Colonna, because, you know, I went to dental school with Mark. And Mark Did was you a, really? Yeah, Mark was, a, Mark was a year behind me at Loyola. 
Oh. And uh, Mark was one of those dentists that pushed the envelope too and, and get, got rid of all the hand pieces in his office and really, really tried to do everything with a laser. In fact, I remember seeing an article he wrote on doing a laser crown prep. Yep. And, and, the, and the crown prep looked like, uh, you know, it looked like the surface of the moon. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he was just showing that, uh, you yep. know, you could, you could do this right. uh, because you could. And then he went on to develop uh, radial firing tips and, uh, and laser it was for uh, tips for endo and things like that. Mark was a really uh, in- interesting guy. In fact, uh, getting back to that whole starting with lasers uh, at the uh, old practice in the WCLI, I, I actually was the the keynote speaker at the first WCLI in Dana Point. And I had only been using a hard tissue laser uh, for about three or four months prior to that. And so there were people like uh, uh, out in the office that have been using lasers forever. I said, look, I'm just a newbie at this and I'm just going to, I'll share you some of the things that I've been doing with this. And I I think you'll find that, you know, it's, it's really something exciting that can add to what you're doing already, not necessarily replace. And that was kind of funny. Mark was in the audience that day. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> wow. it, so it, seems, it seems like yesterday. So, so following along your, your thought and, and I agree of lasers being a tool, uh, can you describe what, what, what do you consider some of the biggest benefits to your practice for your patients? Uh, if, if you're using a laser versus if you hadn't had one at your disposal, is there any procedure well, that, that really helps you with that you well, make it more yeah. difficult? As I tell the students here, when you're looking at technology, I mean, it's not just something to say, okay, well, uh, I mean, with, with lasers, they said, well, you promote yourself as a laser dentist, you'll just get more patients because they know lasers for, for um, you know, treating uh, uh, LASIK and eyes and things like that. I, you know, I don't necessarily go with that. I, I say, you know, get something, invest in stuff that makes your job easier and more profitable. And, and just to give you a little thing of what I used to tell the, the the, the doctors that took the laser courses, I said, let's look at this close flap crown lengthening thing. I mean, if you send a patient out to a specialist to get a crown lengthening done uh, for a single tooth that needs a crown, let's say it's a number 19 or what have you, uh, they're going to flap the quadrant. It's probably going to cost, you know, depending upon where you're at, anywhere from 1500 to 2000 these days. I don't know those prices, but uh, they're up there. And then they got to wait for three months to heal. And uh, if their insurance is up, they don't have enough to put the crown on until the next year, this, that, and the other. So I said, well, with this close flap crown lengthening, uh, in these minor situations, I can actually do that at the time of prep, take the impression, and deliver the crown, and not keep it in a temporary. And you know, and I, and I would charge a modest fee for that, maybe three, four hundred dollars at most, on top of my crown fee. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I bought my laser, lasers were more expensive. They were about $80,000. And I said, so my lease payment on the laser was $1,700 a month. I said, even on the slowest month, on the slowest month, I would do at least 10 closed flap crown lengthenings at $300 a piece. So let's see, do the math. That's $3,000 minus. There wasn't a month that I had that laser that I didn't make money for my practice. And I felt I was doing better dentistry for my patients. So that whole I can't afford the $80,000 thing really it made no sense to me um, because it, I feel it helped me my dentistry better and plus do a service for the patient and keep everything in-house. 
And that's just one thing. I didn't do a lot of phrenectomies. I mean, when you see people, oh, well, you can do lingual phrenectomies now. And I said, well, that's fine. I mean, but closed flap crown lengthening is something you, if first you got to diagnose it, you know, mm-hmm. sounding and, and recognize the biologic with encroachment. And then when you talk to the patient and say, you know, I, I can probably save you a lot and, and use a laser to correct this at the time. And I didn't have one patient say, no, don't do that. Of course not, because their alternative is to go to the guy down the street. They don't know the, the lady at the front desk or mm-hmm. you know, the guy at the front desk. They don't know whether they take insurance. They don't right. know whether that person is nice or not. He's like, can't, it's always, can't you do it, Doc? I, I don't want to The other alternative else. is to do nothing and have a <laughs> biologic with encroachment and a chronic perio problem. Yep, so, exactly. Uh, it was a no-brainer. I would recommend to... Any dentist out there who doesn't have any type of laser or even knows what a laser is. I mean, if you want to uh, um, do a benefit, have a benefit for your patients, create another source of income, expand what you do in your practice, it's an easy way to do it. But we both teach at dental schools at this point, and I know that there's a bunch of dental students and new grads who listen to this podcast, and I'm curious. Uh, what advice do you give to your students relating to dentistry? Not not lasers, but maybe general life advice, career advice uh, as you're as you're talking to them. Well, I, t- I tell you, it's a different world than from when we got out of school. I mean, looking at the amount of uh, uh, debt that uh, students come out with today, that's a lot of pressure on them to get out and perform. And and uh, but I've always said every year, regardless. I mean. You hear the practice management people talk about, oh, you need 30 new patients a month or 40 new patients, and you got to go on social media and do all this. I, I still firmly believe that if you do more procedures on fewer people and charge appropriate fees, you won't drive yourself crazy and in 40 years uh, or less, burn yourself out. So I, I say, you know, expand on your knowledge so you can provide more services for the patients you have because you've already got them in your practice. And adding a technology like a laser would also would add procedures that you could do for benefits. And then don't give them away. I mean, you know, you and I have been worked with diodes for years. I, I use diodes now almost just as much because, uh, you know, the electrosurge is so much an unpredictable zone of necrosis. The diode is uh, much better. And we have a diode in our clinic, and John Camisi and I are the only two attendings that ever bring it out and work with it with the student. Otherwise, they'd never know what a laser is. And uh, uh, that's really the thing. I I think as far as, you know, what you say as far as uh, promoting and and expanding laser dentistry in the future, I think the laser companies are missing the boat when they ignore the dental students. We have a a laser here that was loaned to us, uh, and uh, it came here uh, uh, two and a half years ago before I even started. And I, I talked to the company about, you know, the laser hadn't been fixed wasn't working, was sitting there collecting dust. I said, have somebody come in here and fix this. I said, I've got 140 students that I can be teaching and talking to about the benefits of laser dentistry and incorporating that. And then you'll have people that actually are considering to to become laser dentists when they get out. I I think that's where the boat is missed. You know, if, if any laser company wants to help promote laser dentistry. The future is in the dental schools and getting it into the mainstream while they're learning because dental students use what they have in dental school when they get out and what they know. 
uh, in our school, I don't, I don't know how it is in your school, Chris, but we, we have all electric hand pieces here, and that's great. But if they go into a practice that doesn't have electric hand pieces, it's going to be a little bit of a shift going back to an air rotor. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. And and you're right, because if we think back on how we graduated and what we did, we did the things like we learned in dental school until we found a better way. But the fact that we were familiar with it and we knew how to use them, you know, my my friend just this is actually a true story. He texted me about two weeks ago with a, a picture of a little box. And on the box, it said Mizzy. He said, I finally ran out of Mizzy heatless wheels and I had to buy some new ones. And, you know, it's been I don't know how many years now, but that's that's how we learned. Uh, we use those things. They last forever. But what if, if they learn with lasers, they're going to use lasers in practice. Absolutely. And, and uh, I know there's a, a, a commitment because the dental schools can't afford to buy these things a lot of times. And, uh, you know, and I understand the side uh, from the, the companies, too, if they put a laser in and it just sits there and collects dust. But when they have uh, laser champions like you and me and other people out there that are, are educating where they actually have somebody in a school or that can help promote and teach and and. Uh, turn these uh, new dentists on to this technology. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they'll find some that are interested in buying and purchasing down the road. Right. <laughs> I just don't see how that doesn't happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just a dentist. I, 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 I'm not a CEO. I'm not a, uh, a marketing genius or anything like that. I just think, you know, you got to put your product in the hands and dentistry has always been a hands-on thing. Absolutely. You know? You know, going back to a point that uh, you made earlier about, and, and I had the same thought too back in uh, whenever it was 19 something, uh, where every every office was going to have a laser within five years. If we look to the future from this point on, uh, where do you see lasers in dentistry going in, in say the next decade or so? Well, I, I don't know, just but just judging on the past, I, I don't have the numbers to substantiate that, but I, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's early early adopters jumped on and, and you know, and I don't know what percentage of, of dentists today have lasers in their practice, but I would probably guess um, that it's less than 20%. Maybe that's even a generous number. And uh, I, I don't see that that's going to change much in the next decade without uh, getting involved with the younger dentist and, and teaching them about the benefits and attributes of, of incorporating this technology in, in their practices. And you know, I think by the time they get into the offices and that, you know, and they're worried about the overhead and all these other things that we have, um, they put things off. All of a sudden, it's like us. I've, you know, been out of dental school for 40 years. It, it, the time just flies. And, you know, you, you get to the point where it's harder and harder to uh, become an adopter. So I, I think then these companies go after the older dentists. Yeah, some of them are going to jump on because, they want something new to do to keep their careers interesting and vitalized. But uh, I, I think that uh, in order to make that next leap and uh, even come close to um, having 50% or whatever, uh, it's got to start uh, in the schools. And that's, you know, yep. until it does, I don't think it's going to go much. I don't, I don't think it's going to change much because they, they say the same thing about other technologies like uh, a scanner. So impression material is going to be obsolete. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? I, I don't see that happening either, mm -hmm. um, you know, but uh, anyways, here we are. So we're coming to the end and uh, just wondering if you have any parting words, something you'd like to add that we didn't cover? 
Well, it's 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 been a lot of fun talking to you, and we we could we could probably do this a few few times. I I, I think there's a, a lot of areas that we could cover as far as the nuances of lasers, uh, you know, incorporating lasers. Uh, you know, one of the things we used to say when we trained, you know, you, know, you don't use it unless you put it on in the morning. I mean, just looking at, you know at, at the dental students with with a, with a diode. I wrote an article a year or so ago. I, I don't see a general practitioner practicing at least without a soft tissue laser because there's it just makes your job so much easier i mean don't look at okay it's five thousand six thousand dollars how much is your time worth how much is your chair time worth i mean you're trying to take an impression in a bloody mess i mean you know or, or do a sub gingival uh, uh composite or something like that you know wh why do composites fail because of micro leakage you know doing class fives and class twos if you're under the gum and you can't control the tissue guess what I mean, it's just one of those things where um, it makes your life easier to make your dentistry better. And we, we could go on and on and, and go into those areas, Chris. So um, I would love that. I would love to do that another one of these with uh, maybe more of an aesthetic uh, bent to it. So that would be wonderful. I, I appreciate it. And I think uh, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, our time's pretty much up. I've loved exploring the mind of Dr. Robert Lowe. Bob, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Chris, for inviting me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And yeah, let's let's do it again. There's there's a lot of areas we can uh, we can touch on, and hopefully um, inspire some of the younger dentists that are listening to to explore this technology and other technologies. I mean, they're they're going to be practicing in an exciting time, in a different time than we did. And um, I think uh, laser could be as revolutionary as the air-driven handpiece in the, in the right hands and, and certainly expand on the aesthetic cosmetic component because the soft hard tissue area, you know, as Dr. Chabelle used to say, it's not just about a white, about the white, it's about the pink as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think even now I see people, you know, people post cases on uh, Instagram a lot now and, and Facebook and, and you look and things are just like, you know, your, your veneers are beautiful, but they're all different lengths. And you know, yeah. just like the color is great. They all look the same, but anyway, yeah, you're right. So as we wrap up, I want to thank everyone um, uh, in podcast land for listening. And thanks also for your online comments. I really do appreciate all the support and remember uh, if you have any suggestions for how to improve our podcast, please send me an email at chris at laser101.com and join us next time as we continue to explore the fascinating world of lasers and dentistry and the people who make it happen here on the Laser 101 podcast. <laughs> <laughs>